This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. Hope Lives Friday side notes. Uh, On Fridays, we're going to uh, delve into some side notes. And what are side notes? They may be historical issues that I want to deal with that give you a biblical perspective. It might be something economic, might be something from the Bible, might be some symbolism from the Bible, or it might even just be some ideas, philosophical, maybe even scientific that interest me and that I think the Bible either speaks to or they shed light on scripture and allow you to understand and see scripture in uh, maybe a new, a different, a more in-depth way than you saw it before. So uh, Friday Side Notes is a dealer's choice type situation for me in in that I am going to just give you information that is important. I want to deal with passages that deal with the theology and the understandings around Scripture, around Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, And we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. And uh, in that chapter, there is a... uh, strong argument. God, the apostle Paul's making an argument about, about faith and about the risen Christ and, uh, and about the resurrection because he understands the importance of the resurrection. He understands the importance of under, of knowing uh, why and how and, and for what purpose we, we, that we worship Jesus. The reason he is the Christ and, and the reason he is the Christ is not because he was a good man, because he was a good man. He did teach uh, <clears throat> teachings that have changed uh, history and changed uh, humanity. His teachings are, are some of the greatest teachings of all times. There's no doubt about that. He's not, it's not because of his enduring character, although he had great character, although he, his character was uh, unassailable. The reason Jesus Jesus is uh, <clears throat> the Son of God is because he had the power of God. He had the power over death. He he conquered death through the grave, and and that conquering of death was a conquering of that which is our uh, biggest nemesis as human beings. Death is our death is our biggest uh, issue that we face, and and then also death is. Uh, Death is that which separates us from God, and uh, Christ came so that we wouldn't be separated from God, that we'd have a relationship with him. And as we're studying through 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, I just want you to remember that. It says in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead. That is a uh, definitive statement, and that is a definitive statement made by somebody who was not one of the original apostles. He's not one of the six. The apostle Paul says that Christ is risen from the dead. He is convinced of it. And he is so convinced that Christ is risen from the dead that he would eventually give his life on the cross. He would eventually give his life for that fact. He says Christ is risen from the dead. And not only did he preach it, not only did he live it, but it cost him his life. Now, when Christ was risen from the dead, when he did go to the cross and, and go to the tomb, the apostle Paul did not believe him to be the Messiah. In fact, after he is risen and after the church begins, the apostle Paul is one of his chief chief persecutors. He is His name is Saul back then, 
and he persecuted the church. He chased after the church. He wanted to destroy the church. He wanted to destroy this, this new faith in Jesus Christ. He believed in it. But see, now he's saying he is risen from the dead, and he is the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Notice, he's the first fruits of those who are dead. He is the original. He's the one who, who first overcame death. Now, we overcome death. We overcome death through the power of his blood, through the finished work of his cross, and through our faith or the, the primary gift, the, the original gift that God gives us when we come to know him, when, when he plants that new human spirit in us, when, he, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, when the kingdom of God comes in us, the one gift that God gives us that uh, is the first gift that he gives us the opportunity to exercise is that gift of being able to trust him, that gift of being able to turn and walk with him. And so he says, he's the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Notice he's talking about uh, what we've been studying in the book of Genesis over the last few months. He's talking about when Adam uh, ate of the fruit of the tree, he brought sin into the world. And through that sin that he brought into the world, he brought death into the world. Sin brings about death. For the wages of sin, that's what Romans tells us, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that eternal gift that we get through his death, burial, and resurrection is the gift of overcoming death or conquering death. See, God's power is a power to not only make what's uh, wrong right, but what God's power is to take that which is totally broken, totally marred us and fix us, make us whole. Take that which is totally dead and separated from him and fix it and give us life and make make intimate relationship with us, make it possible that we can have intimate relationship with it, with him. And so he says, for since by man came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. See, it was necessary that a human being be the one who conquers death. It was it was it had to be a one for one deal. It had to be it had to be someone from us that conquered death and that made the final sacrifice for sin. And so that's why it was necessary for Jesus to be conceived in his mother in, in Mary's womb. That's why it's necessary for him to walk among us. That's why it's necessary for him to be familiar with our suffering. That's why it was necessary for him to teach us and to show us that he was the Messiah by, by all the things that he did on the earth as far as walking on water and the miracles of feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 7,000 and the little girl and Lazarus from the dead and healing the blind and making the leper uh, whole and uh, making lame walk. All those things are evidence of Jesus's divinity as he walked on the earth as a human being. See, Jesus walked on the earth as a human being. He, he was a man and he had to come as a man and reveal himself to, through the power of God at work in his life. And then he had to be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God. I always think about the apostle the John the Baptist as he sees Jesus coming, as he's baptizing in the Jordan River. And as he sees Jesus walking in from afar off, he says, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Wow, look at that. The lamb of God uh, has come and taken away the sin of the whole world. And so understanding that, understanding that he is that lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world, seeing that it was necessary that he come as a man and it was necessary that he suffer, that he suffer death. And so for as in Adam all die 
And why do we all die in Adam? Because Adam is our grandfather. He's a, he's he was Noah's great 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 grandfather, and Noah is the is the line which all of humanity comes from after the flood. And so Adam is his like I said great 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 grandfather, and Noah is all of our even more grandfathers than that. We come from that line. So Adam brought about death, but even so, Christ all shall be made alive. For as Adam all for as as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. All are made alive. He says, He says, but each one in his own order. Notice Christ the first fruits. Notice he said it's a process. Christ is the first fruits. After one though, afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming, and then come the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all, all power. What, what is that? The whole purpose of this is to bring everything back in line under God and bring everything back in line in a relationship with God. He says, for he must reign till he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that he will destroy is death. Notice, he, he is bringing everything back in order. As sin and chaos and destruction came in with Adam, so now life and eternal life comes in with Jesus. He says, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is, is, is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will all be also be subject to him, meaning God the Father and put all things under him, that God may be all in all for us. See, there's there. this is a plan, and this is a process. This There's a purpose behind what God is doing. And, and what God is doing is he's bringing everything back in line the way it ought to be. He's paying, he's paid for our sin and our separation from him through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He's resurrected from the dead. He is the firstborn of creation, of the new creation, those who are uh, born again. And he is the first fruits of that process. And so when we come to Jesus Christ and when we walk with Jesus Christ, we understand that there this is a process that has an ultimate end that is, is beyond us. And I, I want you to I want you to see that this morning. Jesus's whole focus of his life was to come and save us. Now, that life that he placed in us is not a selfish life. It's not a life that's self-oriented. Remember, if he, if he says, those whom the Father give me, I give them eternal life, he's saying, I'm giving you my life. If he says to you, I'm giving you my life, then the life that he's giving you, the purpose that he's giving you, the direction that he's giving you, it is the life that he had. And what is that? That life is self-sacrificial. That life is focused and oriented on the world around us and the people in the world around us. That life that Jesus lived was not oriented toward himself. That life that he lived was not oriented toward his comfort. It wasn't oriented toward his riches. or It wasn't oriented who he was and what he was doing. The life that he was living was oriented toward us. It was completely oriented toward us. The life that he gives us in conquering death is a life that is a given life. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a selfish life. And let me say this, if you were trying to live out that Christian life 
if you're trying to live off the life that uh, God made for you, it can't be one that's oriented toward you. Uh, the only time it's oriented toward you is when you realize that you need it and you turn and you begin to walk toward him. That That is totally self-oriented. I'm orienting myself in the right direction. But from that moment on, see, my orientation is not toward myself or my own way, but my orientation is toward his will and his way. And when I'm oriented toward his will and his way, then the meditations and the thoughts of my heart, the direction of my life, the purpose for why I'm alive, living and breathing, the purpose for why I'm thinking and opening my eyes and seeing the world has to be oriented away from my own selfish purposes, from my own reasons. It has to be oriented toward those that are around me. And sure, do we have feelings? Do we have good and bad days? Do, does life throw us curveballs? Absolutely it does. But you know what? That 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 is not an excuse to to live a life separate from the one that has been provided for you. And that eternal life that's been provided you to you is eternal, is a, is an eternal life that is focused on others. It is focused on others. And the power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection is the understanding that the ultimate sacrifice was made for you. And therefore, what is required of you is the ultimate sacrifice of you. It is hard. It is hard as a, as a believer. It's not a good selling point as a pastor. I'm going to tell you, uh, it's not seeker friendly to continue to pound home the ideas that Jesus taught in Mark chapter eight. And those ideas being take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. That teaching is a hard teaching. It's a difficult teaching. You find in scripture when Jesus starts talking about self-sacrifice, when he starts talking about placing your on the altar of God and, and sacrificing your own life, it, it becomes, it, it's such a, it's such a difficult teaching that people out of hand reject it. Why? Because rather than being oriented toward the life that God provided us through Jesus Christ, which was by definition, a self-sacrificial life, by definition, the product of self-sacrifice. See, the resurrection is the product of self-sacrifice. You cannot have resurrection power without self-sacrifice. You cannot have resurrection power without taking up a cross. It's not possible. In fact, not only is it not possible, it's absolutely illogical when put to put uh, face to face with the reality of what Jesus did. It has to be. It has to be that the life, the eternal life that God has given us is one of self-sacrifice. It's one of an orientation toward those around us, even the most unlovable ones around us. Because by the way, they may be unlovable to you, but they're not unlovable to God. And so if I'm going to say I'm going to have the power of God in my life, if I say I'm going to walk in the kingdom power of God, if I say I'm going to have the quote unquote blessings of God, that I'm seeking. Remember, we're not talking about selfish blessings. Remember, when I'm blessed by God, that means I'm blessed with his very character and nature. If I'm going to have the blessing of God, the character of God, the nature of God, the power of his resurrection, that life cannot be a life that's lived for self. It cannot be a selfish life because it did not come from a selfish life. It did not come from a self-oriented life. It did not come from an inwardly focused life. It comes 
from a self-sacrificial life that was given to us by the perfect lamb, by the son of God for our redemption. And I know the popular teaching today is to place all the focus on the blessings of God and what God is going to do for you and the promises of God. But let me tell you something, those promises, those blessings, all those things germinate, they come from, they're, they're planted in, they grow from the resurrection. And the resurrection, by definition, by, by its very source, by what it is, Jesus, Paul says here, but now Christ is risen from the dead. If it comes from that, it must come from self-sacrifice. It must come from self-sacrifice. It can't come from anything else. I want you to hear me today. Jesus didn't go to the cross for us to set the cross aside. He said himself, if you would come after me, you must take up your cross and follow me. It's Mark chapter 8. It's not even any question about it. Because in order to have the life that Jesus lived, we must take up the life that Jesus lived. In order to have the power that Jesus had, in order to walk in his very best, we must take up the power that he took up. And that cup that he drank, by the way, he asked Peter, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And Peter said, yes. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you're right. You will drink that cup. What was that cup? That cup was a cup of pouring out his own life for others. And you know what? Peter did pour out his life for others. Paul poured out his life for others. And John poured his life out for others. Mary Magdalene poured out his life for others. Martha poured out his, her life for others. And Peter, Thomas poured out his life for others. And, and Matthew poured out his life for others. And on and on it goes. Because why? Because at the root, at the root of the life and the power of his kingdom that we want to talk about all the time, at the very core of that power at the very core of that kingdom, at the very core of that life, the very core of it is self-sacrifice. The very core of it is Jesus gave his life on the cross. And through that giving of life, through that self-sacrifice of life, through the grave, through the tomb to the other side is where the power comes from. And so when Jesus said, if you want to come after me, meaning if you want to have the life and live in it and experience it in its fullness, like, like, like I am showing you how to live, if you're going to have that, you by definition must, you by definition must, I want you to hear me, you must take up your cross and follow him. No way to, no way to do it any other way. It's not possible. So when you're sitting there and somebody is selling to you that the Christian life is always fun, it's good, God's going to bless you, he's going to take care of you, they're selling you part of the story. I want you to hear me. They're selling you part of the story. Uh, and what they're selling you is the results, and they're not selling you the process. They're not telling you, they're not telling you the process of what the Christian life is all about. And what the Christian life is all about is it, it has its very genesis, its beginning in, in, in a man who disrobed himself of glory, God himself, Jesus Christ, and came down and took on our form and gave all that he had and sacrificed himself on a tree and went to the tomb for you and conquered death for you and gave you 
the power over death. But that process is a real process. And it can't be uh it can't be skirted. You must sacrifice yourself in order to experience the power of God. You must give of yourself in order to experience the power of God. You must. And if you don't, the truth is that you're missing out. Because um Jesus, the whole love that we talk about of Jesus Christ was agape love, God's love, uh, the love that uh, caused Jesus to go to the cross. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.